I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yep. I think we're recording. Are we? Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello. All right, geese. Yeah. All right, geese. Yeah, What's right. that all about? Being a bit Essex, aren't I? All right. Pucker. All right. Lads. Um, right, well, we um, we did have a, a lovely lad um, for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and it's the wonderful um, Mark Moore yes. of S-Express, yes. um, who told us what he was going to choose for his top five, and then he sent his list over in advance, yep. and I think it was safe to say that we had to do some research. It was the most, it was the ones I, I was compl- almost unfamiliar with all yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, which was wicked, actually. It's like, at first I was like, oh no, Mark, I'm out of my depth here. And yeah. actually then, yeah. sort of looking into it, it was it was wicked. But it was an excellent conversation. What's great is, is, is when people have drilled down their top five and they've picked what they've gone for, yeah. and it, it, however obscure, whatever... When they kind of uh, uh, pinpointed it, then they talk so passionately about it. Yeah, yeah. it's infectious. Yeah, and and yeah, the, the, the stuff he chose was 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 cracking. Um, he's had a fantastic life as well. Yeah, he, you know, very interesting. He, he speaks about growing up um, a bit of an outsider. I think it's fair to yeah, say, yeah. you know, um, and a little bit lost with, with with stuff, and ended up hanging out with with Johnny Lydon and yeah, and moving through the kind of early days of the new romantic scene yep. and, and, and right the way through to having a an iconic number one record at the, the height of rave culture. Yeah. Um, yeah, re- really interesting um, and and, and likeable. Very likeable. The yeah. conversation flowed really well. Yeah. Um, right, big shout-outs. We're going to do the, um, the shout-out bit now, which... Um, we have to do. Um, so <laughs> we have to do. But we're contractually obliged. We don't have to do it. But no, we do. We do no. it out of love. Do it out of love for uh, the the whole of the Distraction Pieces Network. Family. We, Let's call them a family. The family. Yeah, the uh, run family. by the Podfather. The, uh, no, kid. that's mine. Don't have that. The Podfather. <laughs> I'm having that. All right. All um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's the Podfather, and uh, unless um, say hello to his little friends. That is worst impression I've ever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, your face was embarrassing okay man. podcast go, you need to check out stop and search with Jason Reed say why to drugs with that's a Susie Gage Tuesday Night Duel with Jim Smallman and Hardcore Listing with Dr. Philgers and Stu right that's not going to become a thing <laughs> it's not going to become a thing that's not your name your name's Chris Glasson Chris Passion no it's Chris Glasson <laughs> Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, um, yeah. Right, well, look, listen, um, 
just please enjoy this podcast. Go and subscribe. Subscribe. Um, because we've got loads more fun guests as well mm-hmm. as Mark coming up. Um, and there's going to be lots of ones of me and Chris just probably having a few drinks and just chatting amongst ourselves, answering all your listener top fives Crazy as well. Crazy top fives. Yeah. Thanks for all your feedback and your shares, tweets, yes. retweets, likes, etc. Um, we're on all the social networks. Um just put in our call listing or Redshift Rebels or Stu Just, re- just search, and, research um, it yourselves, for God's sake. We yeah. might keep giving it to you on a plate. Yeah, fuck's sake. All right. Jesus. Enjoy part one of Hardcore Listing with Chris and Shu and our special guest this week, Mark Moore. Enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu. Present our core listing, the podcast. Um, um, hello, we're recording. Hello, back hello. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and today we've got um, lovely Mark Moore. Hello, hello. Hey mate, how you doing? <laughs> good. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks loads for um, yeah. making the, the long journey here today. Oh yeah, it's, it took me eight hours to get <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> nice well, we're one. um we're we're not. Uh, um, the usual um, place of recording today, are we? We're, uh... We are in the Whiff, uh, well, normally in the Whiff Inn, and yeah. today we're actually recording in Acast Studios, yeah. um, which is kind of handy. It's a nice little layout. Yeah, it's a bit posher, isn't it? Took me a minute to figure out <laughs> <laughs> the recording, but so, but we hope you can all hear this. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, Mark's I've got a pretty interesting top five for us today. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going through these. Had to do a bit of research, actually. And then. <laughs> <homework on you. laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's great. Um, so, Mark, what's your, what's your top five today? What you, what you got for us? Um, I've got my top five um, movie soundtrack tracks, individual tracks. Um, yeah, I'm quite obsessed with collecting movie soundtracks, especially stuff from the 60s and 70s. Uh, maybe a little bit of 80s, but yeah, it's one of my big obsessions. And I've got tons of Ennio Morricone albums and um, Bruno Nicolai and uh, a few Stelvio Cipriani, which we'll be talking about later. Yeah. <laughs> what we will do as well is um, in all the uh, links to every kind of bit of promo and that we do to this, we'll, we'll put the links to them, a YouTube playlist and a Spotify playlist so you can go and... Uh, have a look and, and, and see the artwork and, and, and have a listen. More Certainly, yeah. And, yeah. you know, we normally, we've normally done Spotify uh, playlists, but there's a couple on here that we, we haven't found on Spotify. So, yeah. But they are on YouTube, rest assured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can check them out there. This could also be top five really obscure records as well. Couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> top five. Top, this, in, in our top fives of um, podcasts that threw curveballs at me, this would be number one at the moment. Because, um, uh, yeah, when you said... Um, uh, soundtracks and sc- musical scores and whatnot for movies, we were both like, yes. Because you've got in there early, Mark, as well. Like, you're the first person to say it. And we were really happy. Ah, yeah. And uh, and then when I first saw your list, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, was like, I'm I thought Grease and Bugsy Malone like, were going to be in there. <laughs> 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 Jurassic Park. <laughs> so, so, no, it was brilliant. And it was like all of the ones that we've done, when when um, I'm not so familiar, um, have a good listen and, and, and look into it. And... Uh, it's just it's just fun doing you know the research and uh, and getting exposed and influenced by uh, new things and also the stories that you'll tell around them as well, Mark. So um, yeah, it's, it's that's why we set up the podcast really, wasn't it? To help mm. inspire and give you your new stuff to get into. So and this cer- certainly did that for me. 
Was it a, a, a quick decision to go for that as a top five, or was there anything else in the running? Do, do you know that I, I could have picked like a hundred to go in the top five? I just the first ones off the top of my head um, that I was kind of listening to at that point in time mm. when you asked me. If you asked me in a month's time, it'd probably be completely different. Yeah, we've had. You know, like, we'd say a lot of different, um, like top five as in like uh, top five. I don't know films or top five. TV. Was there anything else that you considered before you went for film scores? Um, I was considering um, 80s um, sort of new wave electronic stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, like stuff that they, you know, would have played in New York and yeah. or yeah. even not even in New York, but you know, a, a cross between London, New York, wherever. Yeah. Uh, a bit new wave, a bit punk, mm. a bit Depeche Mode, yeah. um, Gina Rex. Yeah. Well, All that, that kind of stuff. That's uh, kind of how we know each other, isn't yeah. it? See, like you've, you've DJed for um, some of the events that I've done, exactly. and you, you DJed. Was it first for when I think I done a night with Andy from Erosia, and I think did you come yes, and do that? I one? came and did that. Yeah, that's great fun. And and we we ended up putting a night together based yeah. around that genre of music, New at, York at kind the, of yeah, eighties New York yeah. kind of vibe. Um, still one of my favourite flyers. We, we had, yeah, the Basque, yeah, Basque like fly, yeah, yeah, yeah really fabulous flyer, and. And yeah, we ran that at a Victorian in Dalston for in a Dalston. bit, didn't we? Yeah. And, uh, Behind a bookcase. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I remember uh, the posters yeah. for that was that um, pink kind of a poster of Basquiat. That's and it. and um, everyone stole it at the end of the night. Luckily, my friend stole one, which I managed to get off him. And I've got, <laughs> got it framed in my living room. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, amazing. Oh, man. Well, that's yeah. a testament to. You, did you design that flyer? Yes, I did. Well done, Shirt. Yeah, yeah, we've, done some, we've done some decent flyers recently. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, everyone loves that It's one. good to. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's a place of pride yeah. for you, knowing your. Well, I've probably done about another, another 5,000 flyers. So I'll get them all framed and I'll pop them round, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do you want to? Should we, should we get things going? Yeah, yeah. Why not? So, are they? Are we going to do these in an order, Mark? Or are you? Just, are these? Or, or do you just? Are they just five that you really rate? Yeah, let's start off with. Um, uh, should we start off with the Saran one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, Saran Saran Generique BM2. It's from the film um, Brigade Mondaine Two. The Uh, Also known as La Sex de Marrakesh. I'm really going to be pronouncing things really badly on this. uh, We've got a bit of French. Notice how we didn't didn't even attempt to do it. Please send in your corrections, anyone who knows how to speak proper French and later on Italian. Um, Yeah, um, I've never seen this movie. It's like one of those bad kind of crime kind of uh, drugs, drug ring, prostitution, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Never seen that. I've looked it up on IMDb. It gets a rating of 4 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> but the music is incredible. Yeah. Saran, we all know, you know, Disco King did Supernature, etc., etc. He's done three of these soundtracks for um, the movies in the series, so I'm dying to see them. I'm sure they're going to be really disappointing. But when, did, when, was it, when did it come out? This one came out in 1979. And um, he's got a bit of disco stuff on there, but he's also got these kind of laid-back electronic pieces, yep. which are really good. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite... Uh, and you can tell it's influenced by horror s- soundtracks as well, yes. like um, Suspiria and um, with that kind of tinkly kind of um, riff going on. Yeah. Uh, 
And Suspiria is one I almost put on here, but I thought everyone must know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it was one of the first, in, in those days, showing my age here, it was the first X film I ever got into. Really? Yeah. And um, I remember walking into the cinema, hoping I could get in. I tried about four times, and they kept turning me away. <laughs> and then they said, they looked at me, just, oh, you again. You know, this is a really horror. It's a really bad horror. And I don't, yeah, I know. That's exactly why I'm here. And I went, no, this is a horror, 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 horror. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I know. So they let me in. And I, it started, and all the usherettes lined up at the back of the cinema to watch the opening murder scene because they'd obviously oh. all heard how mental it was and they all everyone was screaming or they were all screaming all the usherettes yeah it was fantastic and it was in this pounding kind of five track stereo in those days which was quite unusual uh, for back then it's 1977 I saw it yeah and um yeah, it was just the whole film was a psychedelic kind of trip. Every murder was beautifully shot with beautiful lighting. And the, the soundtrack by Goblin was incredible. Um, I tried to find the soundtrack on vinyl, and I remember uh, tracing a copy in Brent Cross, and they said they had one left. And I went down there, and I said, oh, I reserved it. And they said, oh, we, we thought that was you. We just sold it. Oh, joking. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> So I never got that soundtrack until a bit later on. I found it again. It was really hard to find it. It was twice the price of a normal LP. I think it was an import. Yeah. So um, finally got my hands on Suspiria. Goblin, I saw them play live uh, a couple of years ago at Islington Town Hall. Uh, and they showed Suspiria in the background. While playing oh, really? Music. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because did Sarone come over and play a few years back as well? If he did, I missed it. I'm sure um, he did. I, I saw... Um, I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. It, 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 I'm sure it was... Was it in England? Really? It, it wasn't that long ago because wow. um, someone shared him doing Supernature. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it looked oh. incredible. Yeah. And I'm sure that was only two, three years ago. I'm sure someone will probably tweet that I was completely wrong. But I'm, I'm pretty damn sure about he that. He has done... When I was... Uh, you know, looking up to own and, and whatnot. And he has done some huge concerts, like hundreds of thousands. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of like how big he was in disco and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, but Suspiria is pretty cool. Um, and he's, that was directed by Argento. Uh, Dario Argento. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he, I think he's done, I think he might have, he's, he's, he's linked up with a few of the other people on your list, I think. Um, on other he's, soundtracks and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. He's worked yeah. with Ennio Morricone. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Dropped it there. <laughs> Spoiler. I think they, uh, yeah. they were a big falling out though as well. <laughs> oh, really? I can't remember what it was over, but yeah, they fell out. Ah. Bizarrely, Sarone, uh, my my introduction to him was, I know we mentioned Andy earlier, but Erasure covered Supernature. Oh, yeah. On the B-side of you, surround me, I think yeah. it was. And that was, and I remember hearing that thing, I like this. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and then obviously seeing that it weren't a, Clark Bell, and I was like, okay, what's this? And then went and heard the original. And you know, yeah. it does the vocal on the original, don't you? No, Lena Lovitch. You're joking, <laughs> that's her vocal. In fact, she co wrote it with Serone. Really, yeah. Lena Lovitch, lucky I, number. Yeah, yeah, I did not know that. Wow, yeah. she's another interesting character. She's been in a few films, and uh, yeah, she looks, she's, she looks pretty bonkers. Yeah, she's had a life, <laughs> and um. I don't know if I can say this on a podcast. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to leave that. 
<laughs> Allegations of drug use, um, not for me to say. <laughs> but I met her a few times, and she's yeah, she's pretty incredible. In fact, I had a play at my club, um, Electrogogo. She did this kind of acoustic set of all her old hits. It was packed. The place was packed. So it, she's she was just incredible. Still got a voice and still great performer. Does she, she live in Berlin or, or? I don't know where she lives. I th- it must have been Berlin. Oh, yeah. n- name dropping here. I also had Dario Argento's daughter, Asia Argento, no. DJ at the club um, back in the day. You know, Electric wow. Go-Go days. It's about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always a pleasure having her there. And whenever, whenever she played, uh, she'd be playing in you know, a clubby music and sometimes she'd mix in remixes of songs from her dad's films, you know. Oh, <laughs> um, cool. But whenever she played, it was full of Italians. I don't know how they heard about it, but they were just they would be queuing up. <laughs> they showed up. <laughs> it was Excellent. like the princess is coming. Ah, <laughs> oh, superb. So when you, how do you? We was talking before we we started recording about mm. sort of how, um, how we source music and how do you sort of in, in regards to sort of soundtracks? This, you know, how do you sort of come across these things? Do you go searching for it? It's obviously yeah, especially in this one because you know, you've it's not it, seen the movie, so it's yeah. you've heard yeah. it before you've seen the film, which is kind of quite unique. Really, how did I, I tell you how I I, I, I um, with, hang on this one? I didn't see. Yeah, well, this one that obviously I, I because it's Cerrone, I checked it out um, just because you know I was collecting collecting yeah. disco, so and I thought. Any any anyone who does a, a soundtrack album, it's always worth checking them out if they're great yeah. artists in their normal field. They'll normally do something interesting yeah. in the soundtrack field. So yeah, I'm always checking for that. I think um, when I was looking for oh Stelvio Cipriano, oh, sorry I'm spoiling it. There. <laughs> That's all right. Spoiling it. He's coming out a bit later on. Mm. We'll talk about him. Yeah. But that one I actually saw this this film. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when you obviously you. you you own these on vinyl, CD? I, I own most of them on vinyl, but okay. I've been buying CDs now because on the CDs you'll get all these outtakes yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, and B-sides that weren't on the album and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been getting both. So how do you, how do you ingest it? Do you do you have days where you just sit around, put an album on and, and listen to an album? Do you, do you get time to do that or do you go out, do you wear headphones when you go out? What's music? I, I have it on. I, put, I just bung it on in the background if yeah. we're in the kitchen rustling up a meal or having yeah. people around for dinner. It's perfect dinner music yeah. except mm. when it gets kind of to the murder scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing about a lot of these soundtracks is that they're just so beautiful, you know, um, and you... You watch the film and you think, oh, there's beautiful music. And then the films are these, like, really violent, sleazy kind yeah. of... I, when, I, when I went through it, Mark, I was like, there's a real grindhouse sort of vibe yeah. to sort of, like, the, the movies that you've been drawn to in that era. Um, but they do... Um, but the music is very... It oozes you know, sleaze as well. It, yeah, but yeah, exactly. But it's got, that, it's got a, a degree of danger but artisticness in it as yeah. well. So that's what I've really liked yeah. about it. And I saw that in a, in a theme with uh, a, cu- a couple of the others. But this track in particular, when I listened to it, it, it was it was, it was was cracking. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out that generic BM2 that uh, will be on our playlist and or the YouTube playlist as yep. well as Spotify. Yep. Um, that one in particular from Serena, would there have been any, any others that you might have gone for? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on, on the, like I said, he'd done three albums in the Brigade Mondaine right. series, and th- there's just good stuff on all of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could have easily chosen from some of the others. I mean, a couple of them have been um, put on compilation albums. Um, but yeah, they're all good. And there's some of the more ambient stuff. There's a more ambient version of this, which, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it covers all different moods from mm. disco to laid back to the to the love scene to the <laughs> mm. yeah and that's that's the great thing about soundtrack you've got, you've got to be quite versatile and conveying conveying these moods so yeah for sure and um you know sometimes avoiding lyrics is a, is a great mm. way of doing that isn't it because yeah. it actually invokes just emotions yeah. and those emotions from person to person can be slightly different but they can accompany and emphasize what's happening in a movie i've always felt that with that that's that sort of with these sort of movies when they're a bit more grindhouse a bit more sleazy that can really affect how you feel about what you're watching yeah there's a movie called um irreversible i don't know if even oh yeah, 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 yeah and i can't remember it's gasper Nome who directs it and i can't remember who did the sound for it but the very first scene is uh it, it, how they do the cameras it's constantly yeah. rolling mm. yeah so it makes you feel nauseous um as it's going through this club and it's you know quite quite dark in this club and mm. it's Something bad happens at the end of this scene, and also, but the music with it as well. Yeah. It, honestly, it really, it really made you feel quite nauseous. While That's you, a great which film. was perfect. Yeah. It was it's, uh, it's an absolute cracker one. It's not one to watch every week with your, fa- <laughs> with your family. But yeah. it's, uh, you know, I love I love a lot it's of these not, uh, movies. Not a Sunday afternoon. It's, no, it's <laughs> no, really no, not. No, it's no. really not. My, my friend sat down to watch that, and his stepdad came home. And Mike was about to put it on. He didn't realise his stepdad was going to come in. And Mark had no idea of the content of this movie. <laughs> and his stepdad was a real sort of like blokes bloke. And he was like, "What? You, oh, I'm going to watch this movie, Irreversible. And he just sat down and Mark started it. And it's quite quite graphic, the first that scene. hilarious. <laughs> and Mark was like, oh my God, what am I... I don't even know how to deal with this. <laughs> I think he just turned it off. Yeah, it's not... It's oh, I'll watch that another time. I don't know what his stepdad thought of him oh, after my that. God. Yeah, it's not one for date night, guys. No. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> Super. Um, well, um, you got any more questions on that one, Stu? No, no, I don't think. I don't think so. Um, no. Right. Should we? Um, 
move seven. on to yeah, move uh, on. number if we go down say four uh what's the next one uh let me choose uh okay P- uh piero piccioni um he did uh it's the opening track the, i guess the main titles for the film camille 2000 uh, this was directed in 1969 by Radley Metzger. Radley Metzger was this strange... He made these strange kind of Euro films which had lavish, beautiful, gloss, you know, futuristic sets. Um, he's also known for making hardcore porn films under the name of Henry Paris. Brilliant. Really? <laughs> yeah. But his porn films were, again, very cinematic and mm. very lavish and they had a proper script and yeah, a story yeah. and then suddenly they'd be bonking and they'd carry on with the yeah, story. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're amazing. It's one of my favourite porno films is yeah. by Radley Metzger called The Opening of Misty Beethoven. And that again, that's got an amazing soundtrack. It's all library music from KPM and stuff like that. Um, And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. I think you might be able to get it on on DVD, the the film. You can definitely, well, I I got a copy of the CD. They finally compiled the tracks on CD and Mm. um, they sold it from their website when they released the DVD. Um, Yeah, he's incredible, Radley Metzger. How Uh, did you discover that? I just discovered that from um, going to see strange movies at the Scala. Actually, I don't know if I ever saw it at the Scala, but it was definitely, you know, from seeking out these films from Europe that were kind of strange and a bit psychedelic. Mm. And a bit so, what was this at the Scala? Like, uh, did they? Was did, this? How long ago was this? And this must have been when I was a teenager, right? Okay, uh, in the eighties. Um, and he did. Actually, I don't think they showed his films. At the Scala, I think they used to show them in those those kind of porno cinemas. Yeah, that yeah. They, even though they weren't porn, yeah. uh, the, uh, these the ones he did under his own name weren't specifically porn. They were erotica. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And when did I first find out about Radley Metzger? Good question. I've no idea. Yeah. But, you know, on my path for seeking the uh, strange and unusual films, um, yeah, I discovered Radley Metzger. And I guess the first thing I saw was... The, um, the Licorice Quartet, which was another right. one of those erotic, kind of yeah. colourful. Uh, but this is the one, Camille 2000. It's about a posh girl um, in Rome. Um, I think the, the film's set 20 minutes in the future or something. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, yeah, it's basically she's this posh girl. She goes to S&M parties. She takes lots of drugs. Uh, she's a lost cause. Don't love me. Don't love me. But he wants to love her. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all quite uh, melodramatic, um, but fantastic. Uh, and the soundtrack is just gorgeous. I mean, the one um, I've chosen for the main title starts off all orchestral, yeah. and then it goes into this kind of '60s groove yeah. with um, horns and stuff like that. It's very. Um, I don't know, if you like that kind of thing, it's just going to get you jumping around. <laughs> well, I, I had oh, nice. this on this morning, and, you know, it's, it's, it's got a beautiful, like you say, orchestral opening and whatnot, and I was having another meeting on the phone while that was uh, playing along in the background. <laughs> what are you listening to there? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, to, it, but, I mean, it, it's interesting there, I mean, how that syncs up with the movie again, and Camille, like you were saying, it was quite erotic, and um, I was looking at reviews of it, and I'd, I'd found one review about the reception. Because how did you think? Like, um, did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. Completely loved it. Because this is a, an example where you you can have. I've got movies that I, I die hard love, and then like that you look at the mass appeal and reception, and it, that it, that it yeah. doesn't do that well. And that's what I, I read this review this morning <laughs> about Camille, Camille Two Thousand, and uh, what was it? Um, 
What was it? Uh, the film's critically panned and has 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Roger Ebert summed up the film in his one-star review as thus. Camille 2000 is shot in colour. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is dubbed into English instead of subtitled. It is widescreen. <laughs> it, it has a pretty girl in it. Her name is Danielle Gummer. Whoever painted that big sp- sign in front of the theatre has an accurate critical sense. The sign says, see Daniel Gummer presented in the nude and with, <laughs> and with great frequency but yeah your your um fascination with that is uh i've, I've dipped in and out of it with di- di- different movies set back in like the 60s and 70s and i i think there's tons of me to still still discovering this genre it's i mean you've got to have an appreciation of of camp and yeah. i guess melodrama as well and um you know i think by, by today's standards audiences would just be like you know what is wrong with these actors why, yeah, are, they, yeah, yeah, why yeah. are they doing that yeah, yeah. um but in those days it was it was quite normal for actors to be melodramatic um you know but the, now we look at it with a certain amount of amusement and i think that gives it even more of its kind of um, joy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it gives it much more. Character. So you must have been obviously very young when when you know you was going to yeah. watch these films. What what drew you to to that? Because it's you know, I'm sure that's not what the masses were going to see at the cinema. Well, like, was you always drawn to something more left field? Sort of growing I, up anyway. I, I was just really really into movies. Um, I I think I I. I, you know, a lot of things went wrong for me at home and stuff. And um, uh, I was kind of like shunted around to different people's uh, places to live and stuff. So I was, I was very kind of, I had a lot of time on my hands in the school holidays. Um, so I'd go to the movies as an escape from my miserable life. Yeah. And I, I was just obsessed with the movies. It didn't matter if they were commercial, if they were weird, if they were... You know, underground. I just love the movies, yeah. and obviously, I started off with all the sort of big, you know, big kind of um, mo- blockbuster movies or whatever. Um, I didn't really differentiate. It was a movie, a new movie. I'd go and see it, and then I just started gravitating to the Stranger stuff um, without realizing I was gravitating yeah. to the Stranger stuff. You think you can hear that in your music? What you produced? Like, yeah, you, think you get I, I like, like uh, influences. Oh, you know, oh definitely, just, yeah. You know, it, th- there are, aren't there, from yeah. like Cerrone and, and whatnot, and uh, yeah, the, the, some of those, the, the electronica vibe is definitely in there, I feel. Uh-huh. Having, having now listened to this after having listened to your music, uh-huh. you know, I, was like, I can see sort of, you know, yeah. themes here and, you know, f- you know why you'd be influenced that way. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that how you get exposed to that as well. I mean, I'm definitely, when I did Theme from S Express, mm. it was it was meant to be the opening titles for a movie. Right. That record, yeah. it was meant oh, to be really? an imaginary movie, yeah. the, the opening titles. Wow. Yeah, so I think a lot of the, the music I did, I still do, is, is, is for a pretend movie. Can you in see it in your head? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we spoke about this in yeah. the, our, our podcast yeah. last night, and I, I was saying, we was talking about, like, when you hear songs that that sometimes aren't that cryptic and are quite heart on sleeve, and you can, uh, I mentioned, and, and you guys hadn't heard it, mm. but I, I was just talking about "Up the Junction" by Squeeze, oh, yeah. and and just one of them songs that the minute it comes on, I can see that video. Like yeah. although the, in the video it's just the band playing, but I can see it all happening in my head, and, yeah. and I think like you know even from being in bands myself growing up and, and writing songs and stuff like. I always could see it 
Yeah. You know, that as was, I was writing it and, and picture it as like a, as a film. That was the thing when I, I listened to music, you know, um, as a teenager, I always pictured um, the images, yeah. even though a video m may not have ex existed in those yeah. days. It was, it was very filmic to me listening to music. Mm, yeah. These images would appear in your head. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, and was that, I suppose, uh, uh, you know, a lot of kind of the, the disco stuff and, 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 and definitely, I suppose, all the, the Chicago house stuff and that, there weren't accompanying videos, really, for any no, of that, was there? No, so no. I suppose it, it yeah. would lead you more into seeing it yourself, yeah. you know, because there was no visual representation as such, yeah. was mm. there? And I kind of like that. I think, you know, once you see a video, that's set in your mind after yeah, you see yeah. the video. But without yeah. that, you know, you've got your own images. So did you have, you know, do you always have a, a, a big hand in any kind of music videos that you do? Like, oh yeah, every every music video I did, I I, I was completely involved in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, in the early days, it was Rhythm King. They they were just starting out. I was just starting out, and the budgets were like, you know, a packet of <laughs> chips and they go, yeah, <laughs> yeah we get you get fed on set, and that's <laughs> it. It was yeah. I mean, we couldn't really do what I wanted wanted to do. Um, yeah. So you, you just may do, you know. And and um, I just thought, okay, we're going to treat this like the Andy Warhol films, uh, which were just shot on you know handheld cameras mm. and just very much, um, you know, his his factory superstars in the background just frolicking around. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I took as inspiration for the early videos. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> And then for the second video, you know, the theme from S Express became a hit. Second video, they were like, okay, we're going to spend some money on this video. <laughs> we're going to put in 20 grand, which like is, was, wasn't was a lot problem. really. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so we flew over to New York to shoot it there because I wanted to shoot it in New York. Superfly guy, you got yeah. to do it in New York. Mm -hmm. And um, we couldn't get a permit or anything. So... Because you had to pay for that. So we just shot it guerrilla style while people were looking. Oh, really? Yeah, in New York. And then, of course, once it was edited together, everyone was going, oh, it's amazing how you made it look like New York and really it's shot in London. I'm like, no, no, it's <laughs> shot in New York. Yeah. yeah. It's just, just one scene is shot at the Wag Club, but the rest of it's New York. <laughs> Brilliant. I do that. Excellent. Um, okay. Oh, that was Richard Stanley, by the way, who shot that video. He's a... He's, uh, director who did um oh god i'm gonna go blank now he's, he's done some really good films he did hardware hardware and he did another one called dust devil um and he tried to make this um the oh, film version bell now yeah he's I've they did a documentary yeah that's it what's the so documentary got, yeah, called the documentary it. they did a documentary yeah. about him trying to direct marlon brando and val kilmer <sighs> In the island of Lost, Island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, uh, which just went horribly wrong yeah. and he got taken off the film. Um, anyway, he's in the documentary talking about how it went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, because uh, oh, do you know what we was talking about this little what about Val Kilmer, wasn't we? Mm. And uh, he's he's quite a tricky chap, isn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> di supposedly might be difficult to work with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's done some amazing roles though. Yeah. Um, Oh, where is it? I'm I'm really struggling here to to find this because my friend also talk, spoke to me about how this all went wrong as well. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen this documentary. Um, so I, I watched the film with apparently um, Marlon Brando wanted to swap his role at the last minute with David Thewlis, who's in the <laughs> film, 
Really? So, so at the last minute they kind of swapped roles and it all yeah and, and uh, Richard Stanley lost control of, of, of the whole set basically um, and I think in the end Richard Stanley ended up sneaking back onto the set dressed in a monkey suit being an extra <laughs> really? that's incredible that's insane <laughs> to see more about that yeah I can't get this up now but that, that's nuts well, that's what, why are you looking for that what was what was like the, the the first film that the music really struck you in what, what was the earliest oh, sort of film without a doubt um, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly oh, right, I made okay, my mum so... go out and buy the, the album okay yeah um, and I never saw the film yeah because I th- was it a I can't remember if it was an 18 back then or what. Yeah. I didn't see the film for ages until it came on TV, but it, that, that song was on the radio. It was yeah. a hit by the Hugo Montenegro yeah. Orchestra. Um, but yeah, she got me the original soundtrack. She got me a fist for the dollars and for a few dollars more soundtrack. Oh, right. So that was my birth starting the soundtrack but also my mum had a lot of soundtracks but more obvious stuff you know like the Rogers and Hammerstein yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that which I, I, in a way I grew up first listening to stuff like that all, all the musicals so that was kind of your introduction to music yeah, as well as film that's, I just oh, right. remember that all that but the first thing I asked to go and buy was Ennio Morricone and you know, it was that, that just blew my mind. It was yeah. so you, you were you, every time you listened to it, you turned into a cowboy, and yeah. you, were, you know, it was just so evocative. Um, and I remember getting other get me things like uh, Tommy and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which is completely different. That's more of a rock opera rather yeah. than a you know, soundtrack. Um, you know, obviously, it started life before the film. Um, what else did I ask her to buy? Uh, other musicals I remember wanting her to get were things like camper things like cabaret. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I had a wide spectrum of what I liked back yeah. then, from traditional musicals to more kind of um, uh, scores that would just uh, you know describe the, the the moods. Did you know then that you wanted to be creative? Like no, mean? I didn't. I didn't know then. I was just someone who who listened to it. Uh, and I never Did you obsess thought, about it. Yeah, I was just I obsessed about the, the that kind of. Yeah, I guess I obsessed about musicals back well, mm. um, soundtracks back then. Um, but then I just kind of fell into that thing when you're a young kid of just getting stuff that was in the charts. So you didn't really have a focus, but you liked music. Yeah. But nothing was really, you know. And then um, when I was twelve, thirteen, I obsessed about punk rock. Yeah, um, and I think that's what changed everything yeah right yeah so yeah i'd be going out and buying stuff you know religiously trying to find out what was coming out new and where where the gigs were and it's you know i i'm a little bit too young i've missed that and i can't imagine like what that must have been like because seeing small little revolutions in music through my my Mm, growing up you know, have, have really stuck with me and struck chords. But I think I'd love to have experienced punk. I just it think was, it, yeah. it must have just been a it was amazing, huge it, game changer. Like I said, I was, I was just this lonely kid before. I was going to the movies to try and escape from my life. Yeah. And um, then when punk, and when I got into punk, suddenly I'd go to these gigs on my own and I'd make these friends. And yeah. they were fellow misfits like me who didn't yeah. feel yeah. like they'd fitted into the world. And you'd cut, you'd, you know, you'd go to Liverpool to go see Adam and the Ants. You'd yeah. kind of yeah. save up the money, get on the coach, go there with maybe five other other mates who, you know, you just met in these gigs. And 
Um, you'd go. This is when Adam and the Ants were underground, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, proper punk band. And then you'd think, oh, we can't get home now. The gig's over. And then there'd be these Liverpool punks. He goes, oh, you're from London. You can't get home. Come and stay at ours. Yeah, so yeah. we'd all go and stay there. There's just met them, you know. Yeah. And there's this camaraderie. You'd be on the bus and you'd see another punk on the bus and you'd just be like, oh, you're all right. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And then you'd hang out for the rest of the day. It was just. Amazing! It was you know that whole that whole thing where you're just in, instant friends just because you like the same music. That's, that's uh, lost a bit now, isn't it? Uh, it just doesn't. I exist. think so. I think so. We've spoke about this, haven't we? In the sense yeah. of you know how people are associating in groups now because there is that larger mix of people are mixing genres so much. So is everyone's got a little bit of punk and a little bit of hip hop and a little <laughs> bit of rock in them, and, yeah. and in some ways that's good. In other ways, you know. Maybe not, you know. You have a when you when you're a diehard fan of one sort of genre, you, there is a there's a camera like you say a camaraderie in it, isn't there? And you wear mm. your you wear your your colours on your sleeve, don't you? Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you can instantly more so at that point, you you would have been able to spot a punk a mile off. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like we we know it was it definitely was I mean, a. What was great also was that the, the, the whole thing about punk was a revolution against all this kind of noodling prog rock that mm. came before and the, the unobtainable superstars. And this was very um, grassroots and street level. So you'd find yourself hanging out with Mick Jones from The Clash or no, John Lydon. No. I'd, I'd go around John Lydon's house, you know. Really? And, uh, yeah, and it was... <laughs> You know, it was it was just amazing times. They weren't, you know, you looked up to them, but they weren't these sort of superstars or anything. Yeah. They were just like accessible. You know, yeah, accessible. And, exactly. Yeah, peak human beings. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I'd go and hang out in Seditionaries, which was, as you know, was the clothes shop for but of Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren in the punk days. And you'd hang out in there and Jordan the shop girl who looked amazing, she yeah. had this massive kind of spiky beehive and this amazing makeup. She took me under a wing and I'd help her fold T shirts, shut up yeah. in the shop and then go for dinner, you know, they her and Vivian Westwood would take me for dinner. And Malcolm McLaren Crazy. would be popping in now and again, making this movie, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. You know, and years later, he remembered me um, from hanging out in the shop when I was really? about uh, fourteen, and um, and he asked me to remix some of his stuff when his album came out, and he had this track, Deep in Vogue, which um, he did with Bootsy Collins, and he played it to me. And it was awful. It was really <laughs> bad. So uh, me and William Orbit, um, we did the mix together. We we just completely dismantled it and just made it more electronic and yeah. did this kind of new version. And that's the version he used on his album. He binned his original one. Um, and now that that track sampled another film, a documentary called Paris is Burning, which is all about the drag and vogue balls yeah. in New York. Um, and it's it's become a classic um, cult film now. Um, yeah, so we did the first Vogue record, really. Me, William Orbit, and Malcolm McLaren before Madonna. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I digress. No, so. no, that's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. fascinating digression. <laughs> so, what other kind of sort of when when you was was what sort of punk stuff was was you drawn to? Um, um, um. I, I like the kind of more theatrical stuff. I love the Sex Pistols. Uh, I never saw the Sex Pistols live until they did Finsbury Park. Right, yeah. Um, even though I was hanging out at John Lyons' house. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I, was, I, was, I, I got into it just a bit too late. I was yeah. a bit too young for, to be able to see the Pistols back then. But um, I love them. Susan the Banshees I was obsessed yeah. with. Uh, X-Ray Specs. Yeah. And... Uh, um, I've gone blank again. Well, obviously, oh, the Buzzcocks. Right, okay. Buzzcocks. And to be honest, 
the first damned album. Do you Amazing. know what? It, it's <laughs> fucking great, that album. Yeah, it's like, great. And it doesn't get enough, you yeah. know, kudos. But well, it, it does but, now, I think. Yeah, yeah. There, there was an exhibition a little while back, wasn't there, about the damned, yeah. I think, at the... Uh, uh, was it the portrait? portrait Gallery? I'm not sure, but there was a, a big thing, and it was, and it almost felt like they were getting their, their appreciation, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they, yeah. it's always pistols clash. And yeah, yeah, yeah. New Rose for me. It's New Rose is just mm. every time mm. I hear it, I get fucking energy in that. He's, next it is. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. So and and Adam was obviously very. very oh, Adam! Theatrical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ad, yeah. Yeah. Early Adam and the Ants. Incredible. Yeah. It was like Enemy would do reviews about how awful they were. They're just the worst band in the in the world, and yeah. don't go and see them. And then a thousand kids would turn up to the gig, like yeah. completely ignoring what the press was saying. And these kids, a lot of them are like 14, 15 to 18, you know. And so they had to change the writers on the papers because they weren't in touch with what the what young the kids, kids were listening actually to. listening yeah. to. But the yeah. writers at that point still banging on about Genesis and Yes and, and, and stuff Probably, like that. Probably. Yeah. Or they'd managed to get the hang of Patti Smith and yeah. maybe The Clash, yeah. but you know. Yeah. A bit of Bowie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So did Bowie make much of a, a dent? Oh, you? Bowie totally made a dent, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, growing up. Um, I mean, you know, I just remember being a kid and getting up to go to school and listening to Oh You Pretty Things and Changes and Life on Mars. And it was always there in the background. And that was so kind of um, filmic, Life on Mars. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah certainly. That, that and uh, yeah. Oh You Pretty Things I can always see as, in my yeah. head as, as, as movies yeah. in themselves. yeah. Exactly. So yeah, and even when you were punk, Bowie was always there. Yeah. Kind of like his inspiration. I mean, yeah. look at look at the spiky haircut. You know, like, yeah. That's all kind yeah. of. Yeah. But then moving forwards into the kind of earlier eighties and the and the you know the new wave and, and yeah. The new, but again, you know, again, yeah. Bowie, he was you know yeah. heroes and it was all Ex- heroes, you know, low stuff. He'd yeah. done a few. You know, in a way, he kind of invented indie music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what was what was Steve's? Was Steve's not heroes? Was he called Heroes or Steve Strangers? Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was that was all Club for Heroes. He did yeah, it. yeah, in Baker Street. So was you? <laughs> Right, involved in that as well. Would you get? Did that? Was that a natural yeah. progression for you to go into that yeah. sort of scene? Because I was always going to the gigs, and then yeah. someone said, "Let's go to this club." And um, all the all the weirdos go there, and all the freaks, yeah. and, and that was his Steve Strange's first club, Billy's. Yeah. Uh, and who who was DJing that? Was that was that Rusty Egan. Rusty, yeah. yeah, lovely guy, Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> you should get him on. He won't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got a few stories to tell, you know. He, he's definitely pioneered a lot of that electronic yeah. sound. He, he produced, you know, he played in Visage. He produced stuff around that time. There was a bit of a, there was a bit of a falling out there, wasn't there? there I was think, a very public to, falling to, out. Him to, and Steve, Steve Strange, passing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was all on Facebook. And yeah, I just, see. It was quite oh, ugly, it was wasn't very, it? Very, a real shame. Yeah. All right there. Hello. Are we recording? Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the. Um, the first part of our little podcast with the lovely Mark Moore. Yep. Um, we did, didn't we? Yeah, man. Yeah. Very fun. And, um, yeah, in, uh, if you subscribe, you won't have to go looking for part two because it'll just pop up in your little inbox. You're always what? saying that. It'll just pop up. It sounds creepy. You're creepy. Well, You're way right. more creepy if than I, me. If, if a creepy guy, if the creepiest guy is saying you sound creepy... You're creepy. Right, I'll just do it again. remember I'll that. Do it again. Okay, right. um, go on in.
Subscribe, you fucking donuts. <laughs> if you don't, I'll open you up like a fucking bag of mouldy what's-its, all right? <laughs> don't fucking mug me off like a two-bob, all right? Subscribe, slags. All right? All right, well, we'll see you next uh, next. Was that time creepy? For, that was, no, it was scary. Right. Scary, well done. I'm Thank creepy. You. you leave my market alone. <laughs> Oh dear. All right, thank you. Um look forward to um seeing you shortly for part two. Bye. It's a drunken soiree in the we're in. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.